Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. I was teaching people how to tumble and teaching middlers how to catch, flyers how to hold their weight. It was just like a lot. Every time I do something, I'm thinking about who's better than me. I'm going to watch it how they do it. I'm going to imitate how they do it. That's what I want you to do. That's how you become a good coach. I remember Monica saying to me one year, she was like, hey, I should just let you coach your team. And I told her, yes, because I've learned from the best. Oh, yes. When Monica was in LA, I was definitely missing her. I think I called her more then than I ever have in the years that we've been in Navarro. Because I wanted her to be there. I wanted her to see all the good that I was bringing there, that I was being exactly what she wanted me to be. And none of the calls ever went through. Uh, that was uh, Cheer, all episodes of season two now streaming on Netflix. James Dempsey joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, James. This Good is. Afternoon. Uh, I, I saw um, a kind of trailer clip of this, and it almost looked like part of the second series seemed to be dealing with the fallout from the first series and that they were new to all this in the first series and now suddenly everyone's looking at them and saying things about them. I think it actually makes it a, a much more kind of compelling and interesting second season because of that. Because the first season came out, I think it was January 2020. So it's, you know, it's been a while since, two years, since mm. since the show's been on the air, quote unquote. And um, what's very interesting about it is, it you know, this is a documentary series about a the absolute top two cheerleading squads, if that's the right term, teams maybe would be better in these two community colleges in Texas who have been, who are these big rivals and they one of them either wins the the big big champ, national championship every year. And that's a very obscure thing. Like why mm. would why would Irish viewers be interested yeah. in, in in a documentary about cheer? And it came out in twenty twenty and it was really, really good, interesting, compelling viewing then because it showed the incredible physical labor that was involved, how dangerous it was. I remember like at times seeing like heads smacking off floors and mm. ribs being cracked here and there. And it had these very compelling, interesting characters, uh, including the guy we heard in the clip there, who's Ladarius, who obviously now has gone separate ways from the team. But also, um, you know, the coach herself, Monica Aldama is her name. She's this very inscrutable Ice, icy woman, um, and who you know, and I'm totally aware that if she was like a, a man, probably wouldn't be called so icy, right? She, she, she gets the results, and her methods obviously work, but her methods are cold and calculated, etc. And then the show comes out, and it's this huge, huge hit, like massive, massive international hit, and suddenly these you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year old kids who are used to living in the middle of nowhere, Texas are suddenly catapulted to this level of fame they could never have possibly imagined in the sense that amongst their peer group, you know, they're now like on TikTok, on Instagram, on social media. They have become overnight influencers with people offering them money, et cetera, et cetera. So so the second season really, really explores how this has changed them, right? First of all, you've got this first year of them suddenly being as very young teenagers, not sorry, as very young adults, we'll say, uh, being catapulted to this national uh, national platform, including like interviews with Ellen, etc. Right? Then you've got Monica herself going on Dancing with the Stars and being absent from the team, and what that means for the team as they're trying to, you know, capitalize on their success. Crikey. While they're also having these very interesting and frank discussions about, 
her sort of saying like, you know, these opportunities don't come along very often and they mightn't keep coming for a while. So you have to capitalise on them now, which I think is like a fair point Mm. to make. And then, right, coronavirus comes along and that like basically takes a whole year away from the show, which is why we've waited two years for it, including the end of the career for some of these you know, cheerleaders who would be out of high school now. Yeah, I well, assume. they're they're yes. at, they're in junior college, but but who have nowhere else to go. I mean, yeah. this is the top that like this is the, this is the Olympics of cheer, mm. and what that means for them to have now completely lost <laughs> without any kind of fanfare or chance at a national, you know, at a fifteenth title, which is what they're going for. What this means to them, like psychologically, to have that just taken away from them, and Monica, who is as you know, who is this domineering but hugely successful and effective coach is this mother figure to them, you know, is is ruthless in her discipline of them and what their life is like for them now that they no longer have that force in their life. And then, right, like out of nowhere, three members of the team are arrested, you know, these college boys for being involved in, you know, sexual abuse scandals, mm. including Jerry, who is by a mile the sort of standout star of season one. Are He's this, on three separate no, charges uh, or they were all together at the time? There were, uh, oh yeah, sorry, three separate charges, yeah. I should say that. So Jerry, who was this incredibly lovable, I mean, of all of the people, he's the most memorable person from the first season because he kind of gets, well, it doesn't really matter what happened mm. to him, right? But he is, he's the, he's the one you would remember from season one. And he does, you know, he's in a couple of the episodes at the beginning, but he's sort of phased out very quickly. And then they dedicate an entire episode of the run, of this second run, to essentially interviewing uh, the two victims of his crimes, who are these two uh, twin, 14-year-old twin brothers, who are also cheerleaders, as well as their lawyer and their mother, and then other members of the team and the fallout that this has for the team as well. And I will say Jerry is currently like, uh, in detention awaiting trial. And if okay, so he hasn't been found guilty of anything. He hasn't yet. been found guilty, but as far as I can tell, when he was arrested, he he admitted to okay. some amount of wrongdoing. I'm, I don't know. I can't mm. quite go into. I don't know what it yeah. fully is. But it's just like this is such an interesting. You know, I mean, sorry, I, I don't want to make light of this terrible thing that happened, right? With I know, Jerry, but right? it's gone in a completely unexpected but, direction. But, all but of yes, so and then what they've also very cleverly done in this documentary is. In the first season, it's all about Navarro, this college, right? Their team and and Monica, who rules the roost. In this season, they approached their rivals, who are Trinity Valley Junior College or whatever, who are in Athens, Texas. A very similar uh, team in the sense that they're also at the top of their game. And it's either one of these two that always wins. So we followed that team an awful lot this time. Okay. And it's quite interesting to contrast the two of them because they each have what the other doesn't. Sort of Navarro, the you know the the ones we followed from day one, are full of performers, and I mean by that I mean really uh, like talented tumblers and acrobats and flyers, all the different things. But they put on a smile, they put on a show, they put on the pizzazz, right? And <laughs> to be honest with you, the truth is, it's a lot of them are these really really driven young women, and a lot of them are really really driven young gay men. And the other team has a lot of straight men and they won't do the performing, right? They're kind of happy to just yeah. do the jumping, but they just look sullen no, and grumpy. There's no jazz hands there's, there. There's no. no jazz hands to it. And I just thought it was such an interesting thing to be watching this. Like, this is a sporting documentary, really, mm. right? And this is a sport. If, if you watch five minutes of this, no one could not deny this is sport. But it's such an interesting thing to see that, that this is a sport that is utterly dominated by, like, tiny, tiny 
young women who are all very physically strong, but they're like minuscule, mm. right? These louder than life, generally black gay men, but there are a few of them, a few white men as well. But these big, big gay characters and these tiny, tiny women. And, and they just like, when do we think of that as being the dominant force in sport? Never, right? Yeah. And here they are and they just are so powerful and potent at what they do, jumping around the place. Like, it's incredible. But it's just, it's also so bittersweet because they are so young. This is them at the top of their game. They talk about how, you know, a couple of them are, a couple of the coaches are former team members and they talk so, like, interestingly about how they they tried for ages to get on this team and then when they were on it, it was so hard and difficult and then when they left, they spent every day thinking about how could I get back on that team? I just wish I could do it all over again. And that's really why it's just really compelling. Uh, Would you have necessarily had to watch the first series to understand what's going on in the second one? Not essentially, no. I, I really don't think so. I, th- I mean, I certainly think you'll have a far greater appreciation and as homework tasks to do go, it's mm. not like it's not the most arduous you could possibly do. I think there's maybe six or seven episodes in the first season. There's maybe eight or nine in this one. Um, but, if it, but if it is something you are even, like if you've passed it by and lingered, you know, on your remote for any time and then gone and then passed over it, it is the kind of thing that is well worth seeking out because it is at times breathtaking in its sort of like physical aspect and it is at times utterly shocking and riveting in its sort of interpersonal dramas that, that take place within the team. It, it, as well as very interesting questions about like race, identity, wealth, power, how that's, how that's manipulated, how that's controlled over the teammates by the coaches, by each other. But like the rivalry between them, because you know there's like only twenty allowed on the mat, but there are forty on the team, and how they interact and how mm. they sometimes stab each other in the back. Mm. It's real, like it's Shakespearean, it's Shakespearean stuff here. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I, James, you really love this. I yeah, really, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know people can't see this, but he just—you <laughs> could warm your hands off the off the animation <laughs> on his face. Right. I'll move on to our second show of the day. It is the Book of Boba Fett. New episodes every Wednesday on Disney Plus. Here's a clip. We're here to see the mayor. We have a few questions for him. Unfortunately, Mayor Makshay's uh, schedule is a bit complicated. Un- unfortunately, as I recall. If you wish to continue breathing, I advise you to weigh your next words carefully. Hmm. Actually, I may be able to rearrange some of the appointments that aren't as time-sensitive as yours. Uh, so if you'll excuse me, I'll see what I'm able to do. That was a bit heavy-handed, don't you think? Do you want the appointment or not? Right, uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I I suspect it's going to be less animated, yeah, this definitely. one. I, I watched a few of these, I just didn't get it. I, I, I just, don't, yeah. It Look, was I, tedious. I, I want to start as well by saying, I, you know, when The Mandalorian came out, I guess, two years ago, um, or a year, whatever, whenever it came out, I was very cold towards the first half of season one. And it it picked up on me. And what I'll say is The Mandalorian had, you know, Baby Yoda, which is this this kind of cute thing that at least you can, you know, focus your attention and some, some, some... pleasant feelings towards whereas this I mean I just don't get it right I, I really just don't get it I don't so when the second season and there's some slight spoilers which I'll do my best to avoid here right so when the second season of The Mandalorian ended it ended with this 
post-credits scene that revealed that we were going to get this standalone series of the Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett being the bounty hunter uh, from from Star Wars, or maybe his son. I'm uh, and sorry to the experts out there. My yeah. my lore is just suddenly uh, confused. One but anyway, <laughs> anyway, so basically, um, it is very very similar to the Mandalorian, right? It is, it, you know, it is a standalone series. It takes place on Tatooine, the the planet where we find Luke Luke Skywalker right at the very beginning, and uh, Boba Fett has taken over. So Jabba the Hutt has been defeated, and Boba Fett comes in and takes over his fiefdom I'm mm. not sure what the noun there's we're using. some yeah there's some word he has yeah, yeah. which I don't know what it is yeah. and he is ably um, abetted by Fennec Shand played by Ming-Na Wen who was in a couple of episodes of The Mandalorian and you'd know from Eeyore uh, and um, he's been in loads of things and yeah, yeah the, the the Marvel TV Agents one. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D. thank you very much and then you've got a few other people cropping up but really they're the main two I have mm. to admit you know you have Jennifer Beals of Flashdance uh, fame as, as a kind of Madam running a, a brothel type uh, house of inequity or house of uh, ill repute, ha- yes. ill repute. Yeah, you have uh, you have Matt Berry of Toast of London. I think it's him. He's vo- voicing the robot who's eight d eight, and then a few other people that you'd you'd see along the way. And we're now three episodes into this, and uh, certainly plenty of stuff has happened, but none of it I found particularly compelling or interesting. <laughs> To be honest with you, so you've got two different strands. I suppose the thing to know about the about the Boba Fett lineage is, if you're not familiar with the Star Wars movies, he is a clone, and there are clones. So I don't know if these two storylines yet are his past and present day, or two separate clones, because maybe they could, you know, it could be that. Oh, they could be. Yeah, but, maybe. But um, there are as there are two divergent threads involving this man, <laughs> who's played by the uh, the New Zealand actor Temuria. Temuera Morrison, who has you know who who made it big in the nineties with uh, Once Were Warriors or we were I think it's Once oh, Were yeah. Warriors yeah. and then he got cast in the Star Wars reboot and has you know has this has been really his you know his main career drive since then he's redubbed all of the movies he's voiced himself he's voiced the character in several different animated iterations and I think he does a reasonably good job uh, but. I still quite don't, don't quite know what his character is because he's sort of supposed to be this ruthless bounty hunter and yet he's kind of this nice guy sheriff at the same time mm. who roots for the, you know, for the underdog and fights for the good fight. But yet when we meet him <laughs> at the beginning, we know like he's not a good dude, if you get me, right? And other than that, the supporting characters are... You know, they're not very interesting, I have to admit. Mm. Uh, they're not in any way developed in a meaningful way. Even, you know, Ming-Na Wen, who, who is the most developed of all of them, gets very, very little to do beyond action scenes, which she, as a, you know, middle-aged plus woman, manages to do very, very successfully. But, but you know, I don't know anything more about her three episodes in at well, this I, point. I, I read an article during the week. Apparently somebody coined this phrase, the Trinity Complex meaning Trinity uh, from the the Matrix. the the Matrix films that she's actually she should be the one because she's much more capable than than Keanu Reeves. Yeah. She kicks ass much better than he does. Half the time he's running around waving his little victim arms doesn't know what's going on. And that's the exact same thing in this. Yeah. Like she should be running things. Your man's adult. Yeah. And, then, and we don't know what he wants. No, why I, why I, does he take on this job? I don't what's know. It all for? Uh, yeah, I don't quite uh, know. And, and that other storyline where they're hanging out with the sound. That was tedious, and, utterly tedious. And then in the last episode, they brought in this quadrophenia, like, uh, you know... Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> motorbike Vespa, gang. Vespa yeah. riding motorbike <laughs> gang with British accents and, and tech modifications. And 
and and they were both baddies and goodies again at the same time, right? Now, what I will say is the Mandalorian warmed on me yeah. over time, right? I like I I thought Pedro Pascal brought a lot to just his voice acting, and when he did eventually appear, which we all knew was going to come anyway, it was it was interesting and fun, and there were parts because some of the comic relief worked really well in that mm. show. Um, and it's interesting to see where it's going to go in season three. So look, I'm not saying that this, you know, this can't come to a flourish towards the end. I think there are six episodes as far as I can tell. We are at the halfway point. If Whoa. this week's one does not show some sign of improvement, you know, I'm I'm getting ready to give up. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, finally, uh, the show, we were talking about this on Friday as well. Uh, is Emily in Paris, seasons one and two, now <laughs> streaming on Netflix. Here's your clip. Would you snap a photo of us? Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you. Okay. Ready? On three. One, two. Oh, someone's calling. Who's Gabriel? Gabriel is calling you. Oh, uh, that must be a bad dial. Just yeah. decline it. Decline yeah, it. Yeah, let's go. Can I do it again? One. It's going again. Oh, okay. well, I don't know the guy. I think he really wants you. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. Just answer it. Hello? Why is Camille with you in Saint-Tropez? Oh, yeah, no, she's right here. We're just on a little girl's weekend. He's just asking about you. I think he saw your stories. <laughs> I thought you were going with Mathieu. Did something happen? Um, did you want to talk to her? No, why won't you talk to me? It's really loud in here. Emily. Sorry, I'll just talk to you when we get back to the city. You okay? Bye. Hey, are you okay? I'm fine. Just don't mention his name again, right? Come on, we both need a drink. Ooh, a little bar. Right, so, explain. Because you hated it. You hated it in season one. Or when you came on here, you tore shreds <laughs> off it. And then after that, you were tweeting, God, can't wait for the second I know. series. <laughs> I know. What is it? So, is there? A, have they laced it with heroin? <laughs> I actually, I, I should have gone back. I meant to go back and listen to me talking about season one <laughs> to see exactly what I had said about it. But, uh, you know, who? well, I don't like, who likes listening to their own voice ever? But anyway, um, yeah, here's the thing about Emily in Paris. This is not a good television show and I am endlessly charmed by it. Like it is, I mean, it is, it is not good. Like in any way, the act, well, I would say I, I will make one strong defense. So what's interesting is this is the show that destroyed the Golden Globes, right? <laughs> because, uh, you know, when, when the production was on, Netflix flew the Hollywood foreign press or some of its people over, lavishly treated them to a knees up in Paris. And then suddenly the show got nominated for Best Comedy and Best Comedy Actress over, uh, oh wow! Uh, over like um, <laughs> uh, Michaela Cole yeah. for for I, I oh, may destroy I, I you. you. Oh my and god! This was seen as this like huge, huge, huge thing. And the Screen Actors Guild is, is held in such high regard. <laughs> the rest of the time. But um, I actually think Lily Collins is very good in this because I think Emily Emily Cooper, this twenty nine year old woman who seems to have been plucked from like nineteen seventy four and dropped in twenty twenty two Paris is an impossibly badly thought through character. She's this naive, she's like a klutz, but yet she solves everything with a with a quick pun, right? Mm. Would you believe this man wrote Sex in the City? He yeah. did, right? <laughs> and um uh, Lily Collins is very very charming at this. She makes she she makes she makes it she holds the whole show together in a show that is full of the most wooden performances, the most terrible mangled English spoken by French people in wooden, boring tones. It's it, look, it is a stupid show of Emily in Paris. She's got she's in love with the chef. She's now got this hot British guy 
who's utterly charmless, but like he's hot, so who cares? And there's a love triangle between her, the chef, and Camille. And, uh, and, and I can't explain it, but what I will say is maybe it is a generational thing because in the year since the first season came out or whenever it did, the amount of peers of mine who have who I've met in like and would be talking about what you're watching on TV who have said, I love Emily in Paris. I absolutely love it. And it just won me. It, she won me over like she won over the chef, like she won over the English guy. <laughs> it is silly. It makes no sense. The jokes are bad. The acting is wooden. The plots are predictable. But there's a certain comfort. It, it's just some cert, there's a certain comfort in watching, being able to see exactly what's going to happen, <laughs> and just go and with yes, it. Predictability is something that's in scarce supply. I guess days. maybe, maybe. Is it in the second series? Is there any? Uh, I mean, maybe a slight <laughs> change in tone in the sense that it knows what it was, and that was kind of leaning into that a bit. I more. was so worried that that was what's going to happen. I thought, look, they're going to take on board all of this terrible criticism that has been leveled against them. A lot of it merited. It's a very, you know, um, like Anglo-Saxon American look at at, mm. at France, right? This othering of France and Frenchness and Parisian life. And I was worried that they would completely course correct it. But if anything, they leaned even further in the opposite direction, making Emily this ever bigger fish out of water. They haven't even made any real attempt to make her try and learn French. They brought in this Ukrainian character that <laughs> I think, you know, caused... Like the Ukrainian, you know, maybe foreign ministry or or basically Ukrainians to say, what is this character, this this thief, basically that you are depicting all Ukrainians as? It is Ukraine's got bigger problems yeah, than the that, thought. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> but 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 I just I, I honestly I don't know. It, look, sometimes. Terrible things are good and enjoyable, and this is just one of them for me. Right, and it's not doing—it's not like porn or anything. It's not doing anyone any harm. No, no, no. definitely not. And and wh- interestingly enough, with, with what I didn't realize, realize was before Bridgerton, this was the most successful show on Netflix ever. Wow! And it has already been renewed for season three and four. So Emily. Is here to say. But tell your own story. <laughs> Listen, I will only say this once. James Dempsey, thanks a million. <laughs> Thank you. you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break uh, after that. Uh, birth in Ireland. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.